Podcast, Answer Man, episode number 140. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the podcast answer man my name is cliff ravenscraft and today i am celebrating four years in podcasting and to be honest with you this was not i mean it kind of just happened naturally and uh, coincidentally but i could not think of a better way to celebrate four years in podcasting than to do it the way that i am today and i'll tell you about that right now so, folks, I am excited, obviously. I, th- I think I probably start every episode by saying I am excited uh, because I'm a, I'm a very passionate person, and you know that about me. And before I introduce to you how I celebrated today, the, you know, I, my four years in podcasting, I just want to explain to you first and foremost that uh, starting next week, I do hope to uh, get right back into some listener questions and giving you uh, direct answers to the questions that are, are in the queue. I mean, we have literally... Oh, I think there's somewhere around 55, 60 different questions from podcasters out there, and I am anticipating getting back. And I was going to do it this week. I really was. But folks, there is absolutely no way that I am not releasing this this week and just putting it off till next week. It is not possible. I realized that after episode number 138, after episode number 139, that it would make the most logical sense for me to go ahead and go straight into uh, some Q and, direct Q&A for episode number 140. And then, you know, when I have this interview like, that I have today to push it off um, you know, maybe at least till next week and maybe even two weeks off, but not, it's not going to happen. So for those of you who are only into this for the Q and a stuff, let you know right now, this is going to be a lot about, um, the business end of things and branding and just to make sure, just to make sure that you understand, you know, that there is going to be even a little bit of nugget in here about podcasting. Uh, there is. In fact, I'm going to play a little bit of audio, audio clip. Even before I tell you who this is, I want to I play a little clip for you. So we're looking at how do you tie all these things together, all these tools that we have available, how do you tie them together and make them work effectively to push your brand, push your marketing exposure and opportunities even further. But there's been a lot of things in my business that have been like that. And again, a lot of the things that we're doing now, I didn't even understand were possible two or three years ago. But I keep looking, even though I'm, I'm an old guy, Cliff, I keep looking for ways to keep the business fresh and to keep taking advantage of changes that are out here rather than feeling victimized by them. Now, if you tell me there's technology that allows me to get another 10 or 100 times multiple of my audience and doing it, I'm gone. But right now, I don't see anything as powerful as podcasting. There you go. So so just so you know, uh, what you're about ready to hear in this episode, by the way, that was Dan Miller, uh, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and No More Mondays. And uh, somebody I'm going to tell you a little bit more about in just a minute. But just so you know, there is some amazing stuff about podcasting, but you are going to have to mine it out of the conversation. Uh, but it, but it's more all-encompassing than just podcasting. Uh, and, and realize this, I understand that there are, there. I have the this wide variety of people who are subscribed to this podcast. There are those of you out there that are just now considering podcasting as a hobby. I mean, you want to just talk about, you know, uh, model airplanes or you, you want to talk about uh, your favorite TV show or or whatever. Um, there are some of you out there who are, you know, thinking about starting a business. And for those of you who are thinking about starting a business, you this is an episode you don't want to forget. You don't want to miss out on. There are some of you who are out there who have been longtime podcasters and you have experienced the growth of your audience. I think it wouldn't hurt to listen to this. And there are some of you out there who are podcasting. You you have a business and you are trying to promote and extend your brand and uh, you're experiencing pod, with, with podcasting. This podcast is for you. So, so it, it, I, I really believe that this is an episode that should be listened to by just about anybody in our audience. Um, although the hobbyist who's just looking for quick Q&A, just a little disclaimer, if you're looking for 
insights on technical skills, this episode is not going to be full of those. But it is going to be full of um, it's going to be full of a lot of valuable information about the mindset of how you can build a brand, extend your brand. Uh, and not just through podcasting. The, matter of fact, the audio clip, I'm going to also give you one more disclaimer. The audio clip that I just played for you um, is is really about the only mention of podcasting here uh, in this in this episode. Now, there is the discussion of, you know, the, the, the original question at the end of that clip, uh, what led up to that was, you know, Dan Miller had an extremely successful radio show. And and he actually transitioned away from radio to just do podcasting. And you'll understand uh, in in listening to this interview why that was a ridiculous decision for him to make. I mean, it made no sense at all. It was it, it was literally ridiculous to think about what he was giving up on the radio. Although looking back, he said I, he he is glad he left it. And and it would have been it it would have he, he would have only stunted his growth had he listened to the people who said he was crazy for leaving the radio. So anyway, that that's about the only thing you're going to get about podcasting. But let me explain to you why this podcast episode is important to me. And and for those of you, again, Q&A only, you know, the technical aspect of Podcast Answer Man, uh, tune in for episode 141. We'll be back at that next week. But folks, for those of you who are still tuned in, you know that this all started out as a pot, uh, as a hobby for me. In fact, Podcast Answer Man, this podcast, was not launched initially to pursue uh, my own career in, ins- er, in insurance, my, my own career in podcasting. This was not a podcast that was developed uh, in, in, and started up to promote my services for equipment sales and all this other stuff and consulting. It was started because it was a hobby podcasting was a passion and this is this is the big thing that i'm always talking about you know it you talk about things that you are passionate about and eventually it, i i do believe it is possible for somebody who is passionate about something to actually make a career out of that passion and some people say well you know that's just you know irresponsible or you know how can you f- support a family on your passion for golf or or for podcasting and and all these other things and and yeah it, it may sound irresponsible because it's not traditional but i want you to listen to this episode cuz dan miller is an amazing man uh and really has been a a huge help to me now i want to let you know that uh, first of all, if you've never heard of Dan Miller and you've never heard of Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love, uh, you may have heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey. Now, if you've heard of Dave Ramsey and you've listened to his show at all, chances are you've heard the uh, the title of, of the book Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love. Dan, Dave Ramsey, and Dan Miller are really good friends with one another, and both Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller have been. A huge part of my success in my life. And let me explain to you why. Dave Ramsey, because my wife and I used to be 87000 or no, yeah, I think it was $87,000 in debt. That's, that's odd. I never realized that those numbers were the same. Anyway, my wife and I used to have $87,000 in unsecured debt in, in, in our, in, you know, financially in our marriage. And, and it was just, it was depressing. And we actually did an episode, I think if you go to gspn.tv slash debt free, uh, you can hear the episode we, where we talked about how we were almost out of debt. Uh, and, and by the way, we didn't do any negotiations. We just paid off $87,000 and got ourselves debt free except our mortgage as the result of following Dave Ramsey's total money makeover plan. And so it is possible to to live debt free and that's not what this podcast is about but I just want to let you know that if it weren't for the fact that I followed Dave Ramsey's plan to get debt free except for our mortgage there's no way that I could ever take my passion for podcasting and launch this business as I have and and be successful at it I I cuz I I would have been in too much debt there would have been no way for me to to get out of the the day-to-day grind of of where I was now, looking back, I think that knowing what I know today, would I be able to do it? Would it have, been, have made sense for me? Yeah, but I did not know then what I know now. So when I left my career in insurance behind, 
you know, I was so thankful to Dave Ramsey at that point for really inspiring me to make that possible. Now, I'd heard a lot of things about Dan Miller, and so I got the book 48 Days to the Work You Love. I needed an adjustment in the way that I thought about work and career and stuff like that because I was definitely going down a non-traditional route. So I read his book, and it really radically changed my life. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, go to gspn.tv forward slash the number four, the number eight hyphen days. Now, if you go to podcastanswerman.com and look, or actually just go to gspn.tv slash Dan Miller, gspn.tv slash Dan Miller. That's going to take you to the show notes for this episode of Podcast Answer Man, episode number 140. But if you go there, there are going to be some links that I'm going to mention here. There's going to be links to gspn.tv slash passion, which is my story about how I uh, left my career in insurance behind and how things have been over the last two years. I've been doing podcasting full-time as my career now for two years. And if you go to gspn.tv slash passion, the story's there. If you go to gspn.tv slash passion two, you're going to hear all the negatives of all the drawbacks and all the uh, mistakes that I made in this business uh, within the first two years. Actually, most of it within the first year. Although I'm still making some today. Uh, so there'll be, there'll be more info to come. There'll be a gspn.tv slash passion three. But anyway, uh, you can click on those, hear a little bit of the story. And then there'll be a link to uh, gspn.tv slash four eight hyphen days where I did an entire series of my review of the book 48 Days to the Work You Love and why it radically transformed my business, my mindset of who I am, what the value I have to offer to clients and all these other things. So please understand for me that um, Dan Miller is just as responsible for my success after deciding to go full-time into podcasting as Dave Ramsey, his best friend, uh, was responsible for providing the foundation for me to be able to make that decision to do so. And so... Really, when I think about Dan Miller, I want you to understand that for me, if you're a sports fanatic, think about the the biggest, most popular sports star out there that you might, and I don't like the word idolize, but it's the best thing I can think of, that you idolize, that they're your hero, and that could you imagine having an hour-long conversation with them? If you're into politics and, and you just absolutely love you know, if you had, if you could choose any of your presidents who are your favorite president and you could have an hour to talk with them, you know, imagine how you'd feel talking to that person. I want to let you know, Dan Miller's one of those guys for me. He really is. In fact, I put it out there in an episode of uh, Pursuing a Balanced Life one day that said, you know what? I have two dreams right now. One dream is to have a conversation to be able to interview and have Dan Miller have, you know, for me to be on Dan Miller's radar to, to for him to know who I am. Um, because he's into podcasting and he's, he's done some amazing things to change my life. And I just love to be connected to him in some way. Well, today that dream became a reality. Actually, it came, became a reality, uh, well before today, but the interview with Dan Miller happens today on my fourth anniversary of podcasting. Uh, unbelievable. So anyway, I want to let you know when you hear the interview start here in just a second, please understand this. It is going, I'm a little bit nervous up front, and I actually end up talking a little bit more than I should up front, but that's just who I am. However, I want you to listen to this interview and understand what it can mean for you, because what I didn't realize until having this interview was that Dan Miller really did not have the brand that he did, that he does today, until about seven years ago, That, that all of this, his success today, which by the way, his success is huge. His success is very huge. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, he makes he's he's making millions of dollars. Okay, um, his success is very huge, and for somebody that is as successful as Dan Miller to say, you know, it, it, I can't see anything better than podcasting. I I just don't see it. it, it podcasting is the thing that's made me worldwide that gives extends my brand allows me to communicate on a very intimate way to to literally you know almost a hundred thousand people um to around the world it's, it's just amazing the opportunities and so i i it's all intermingled together and so with that i just want to say you know i am very excited 
about this interview. So uh, rather than go on anymore, here we are 15 minutes into the intro of this podcast. And now I'm introducing to you this interview with Dan Miller. Okay, everybody, I have with me on the phone today somebody that I have been looking forward to talking to for quite some time, and it it really is for me, uh, and it may sound crazy to Dan, I'm sure he's heard this before, but for me personally, this is a dream come true. I have Dan Miller on the line. Dan, first of all, thank you for coming on to the show. Well, absolutely. I've been looking forward to it, Cliff. I think you've probably just recently heard a little bit about me, at least from the folks that connected uh, the two of us together. But just to say, you know, you have been a huge inspiration for me. Um, do you know how much of an inspiration that you have been to me personally? Well, golly, I, I would hate to exaggerate, so maybe you better give the story. All right. So so here's the situation. For, for, for many years, I've been doing podcasts now. Today, we're celebrating my fourth anniversary in podcasting. Started this thing out as a hobby. Loved my career in insurance until, which I did for 11 years, loved it as, until I started podcasting as a hobby. And as soon as I started podcasting as a hobby, something woke up within me. It became obvious to me that there were some natural gifts and talents and some things that God just put into my heart and built into my life that led me to feel like, you know what, there's something I could do that would be more important with my life than just selling insurance and handling people's pay status questions all day long. So I, I became very discontent in that I had the blessing of having an entire community of people following me on my journey of learning what my true passion and calling is in life was. And they all convinced me that, you know, Cliff, you ought to consider doing podcasting full-time as a career. And Dan, I will tell you that through some amazing things, I made that step. Uh, two years ago, I left my career in insurance after 11 years, and I, I, I took a bold step and says, I am going to do podcasting full-time. And I will be honest with you, I was scared to death about everything there were several people who surrounded me, gave me a lot of advice. There was one place I turned to that, that really helped me get on the right path, and that was your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. So that, that's, the, that's the Cliff's Notes version of my story. Well, Nate, golly, I'm always inspired to hear that something I wrote or said you know, played a little part in giving somebody a new direction, a new level of success. So that's awesome to hear. I certainly turned a lot of people on to the materials that you produce. Uh, no More Mondays, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I did an entire series. People have purchased your stuff. They've told me about how they are now following you and are being inspired. But there are a lot of people, Dan, that have been following my journey. And some of them are still quite skeptical about whether or not it makes sense to, to leave, and, and, and I know, I, here's the deal, I listen to your podcast every week, and I've probably heard well over you know 150 hours worth of your podcast, so I know the answers that you're going to give me, but I want this to benefit those who are listening here. What do you say to the people out there who say, I just can't seem to get past this idea of leaving the security of my job where I've got all these benefits and all of these things to go pursue something that that in my mind is just a hobby. Well, I'm not a bridge burner. In as much as I tell people to follow their passions and never look back and burn the boats, so to speak, I'm still not a bridge burner. So I'm not encouraging people to just forget everything they're doing and to go off and do something in the unknown. But if you create a plan, here's the thing about security. Security doesn't come from the company of the government, wherever you're looking outside of yourself. It's a very much an internal kind of issue. So if you are trying to do well something that you're not passionate about, that's a really risky kind of thing. Security is when you know what it is that you have as a God-given talent. You've created a clear focus for what that would look like in meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful work, and you've created a plan to put that in place. That's not risky. That's where you're ultimately going to get the most security. So when you say leaving a job where there's security, I mean, how many people have I talked to in the last two years that thought they had security working for General Motors and Ford and IBM and AT&T and the list goes on with all those big illustrious companies 
only to discover it was only the illusion of security. It wasn't security at all. So they created something, even if it looks very non-traditional and innovative, they've created something that really does fit, and in doing so, have created a level of security that cannot be taken away. The other thing that comes up a lot is this idea of, well, you know, it, it just seems, even even if you're going to try to do it part-time and slowly transition, it just seems a little bit odd to take something that you love to do so well and and then to get paid for it. And this is something I struggled with when I, I finally made the decision, I'm going to do this and I'm out on my own. I don't have my, I don't have a paycheck coming in at the end of the week unless I do something and make something happen here. And, and one of the things that I, I found is that I was actually asking people to pay me for the very first time to do something I love to do. And, 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 and I mean, I really struggled with it. And of course, until I read your book and your book really inspired me, but for my, my definition of work or my understanding of work for my entire life up until two years ago was that you get paid to do things that you don't really want to do. And by the way, that's why people would be willing to pay you to do it. Yeah, we've allowed that negative definition of work to creep into our terminology, you know, especially here in America. And it's very much an American kind of thing. It's not true in some other cultures. And there are cultures like Tibet where they don't have a word for unemployment or retirement, things that we consider very near and dear to our heart. No, work is just a natural expression of doing what you know, you know needs to be done and what, what you do that has value. So, again, you have to be content and have to believe that it is possible to do that. You know, what you mentioned, it it almost seems counterintuitive to get paid to do something that you really love doing, something you would want to do anyway. And yet that's the best way to generate income. People often assume, well, if I do really do what I love doing, what I'm passionate about, then I'd have to learn to live on beans and rice. You know, just never ever be able to make any money. But it just, we have to believe that it makes logical sense. It's a whole lot easier to make money doing something you love than trying to do well something you hate. And guess what happens when you're doing something you love? Not only is there a release and sense of fulfillment, accomplishment, purpose, and peace, but money tends to show up unexpectedly in unexpected ways. I've seen people who have gone into uh, their passion for golf, or music, or art, or carving wood, and all those really creative things, thinking that they probably have to eke out a living to be blown away by the income generated, and it's just like a volcano once it starts. You know, those are really rewarding kind of things. I mean, I've got where I am here in my office, and you know I work just out of a barn on my property, so I'm looking out here at a tree that died. It was damaged in a storm a couple years ago, and any reasonable guy would just cut it down and then have an ugly stump to deal with. But I have a hard time being an old farm kid and seeing a tree end its life in that way. And so I made a couple phone calls, ended up having a lady come out here, and she carved in that tree. I cut it off about 12 feet up, up off the ground And she carved two beautiful faces in that tree, one on either side, one facing our driveway, one facing out, kind of a nature trail that we've got. They're big faces, about four feet tall, look perhaps like Abraham and Moses. So we have created a garden around that tree, called that our wisdom garden. So we turned what would have been an ugly stump into a beautiful, permanent piece of art on our property that people come from all over the place just to see. Now, the interesting thing on that, that lady had been a highly paid executive. But at 42 years old, she realized her soul was being sucked out, I think is the way she described it, and knew that she was just going through the motions to create a paycheck. Tapped into some early childhood experiences and memories and discovered her passions, and she now carves in wood. Now, you would never have a college guidance counselor or high school guidance counselor say, golly, I think you ought to grow up and be a tree carver. It just isn't going to happen. It's not one of those neat kind of work identifications, careers, vocations that you're going to find 
in the Dictionary of Occupational Titles. It's a very unique, individualized, personalized application for that woman. I'm not a tree carver, but that's what fits her. But that's the exciting thing about this process. You can find something that, just as you describe, you're moving to podcasting. It just makes the lights come on. You know, makes your heart sing. However, we want to describe it metaphorically, but you know that you're in the zone when you're doing it. And when you're doing it, even if reason would tell us, well, yeah, that's fine, but you can't make a living do that. I mean, how many people did you have tell you that when you decided you get into podcasting? Well, the number one person was me. <laughs> and, 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 and I really believe that God did something special for me, and he really shielded me from negative people. I mean, because I was... Honestly, there were a couple people that when I was on the fence to do this thing, I was looking for people to talk me out of it. I mean, because <laughs> my wife was on board and I'm like, okay, well, surely when I go uh, turn in my, you know, I was in a family run insurance agency that's been in the family since 1935. You know, I was making $87,000 a year as an insurance agent and I've got a wife and three kids. Surely my stepdad's going to shoot me down. And when I went into him and he says, I believe you can do this and not only this, but I believe that, that this is what you, you're going you're gonna to make more money in the end doing this than you'd ever make, you know, owning this agency one day. Wow. And How I'm, affirming. It, 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 that's what God did in my life. He surrounded me with those kind of people consistently. Now, there were a handful, maybe two, three, four different times I heard somebody who said, you know, Cliff, that, that it's, it's irresponsible. I've been listening to your podcast that you've been doing. This is ridiculous. I think this is the most irresponsible thing I've ever done. And, and they wrote me off. And, and you know, that, that hurt. It did. But one of the things that I learned through this process is that when you do make a step of faith that is in a non-traditional field, you have to surround yourself, I guess, with people who, number one, uh, hopefully some people who have done that, who have walked out in faith and who have done something, but also even the people who haven't done that, who at least believe in you and they see within you the ability to succeed. Absolutely. Critically important. I'm getting ready to do my own podcast here after we complete this, and that's one of the issues that I'm going to address. So many people have an idea, they come up with a project, and they start down that path, and they don't have anybody supportive around them, and it just never gets done, never gets launched or completed. Well, I grieve for people like that, how refreshing it is to have people around you who do believe in you and who say, go ahead and go for it. And I, I think a lot of things remain undone because people haven't found that support group. You know, you don't need somebody else to do the work, but you need somebody to say, you know what, I think you're going to be able to pull this off. Absolutely. One of the other things, a, a quote that you've said, and, and we've already touched on this subject, you know, a little bit in, in this conversation, but I just want to point this uh, quote out. Now, you, you may have heard it somewhere else, or it may be yours originally, but I, I think I've heard it other places as well. But I heard it first from you. And the quote, it goes like this, find something that you love to do so well that you'd be willing to do it all day long for free, but then become so excellent at doing that one thing that people will be begging you. They, they will pay you to do that thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love quotations. As you know, I use hundreds of quotations, and they're like ideas. Most of them aren't original. We just kind of rehash the same ones. I'm sure that I've got the seeds of that somewhere from the wonderful masters of excellence that I've had the privilege of listening to for years and years and years who helped me walk out of a very simple farm boy kind of existence and open my eyes to some possibilities. Now, Dan, I, I've been listening to you a long time, so I, I have heard a lot of your stories. And one of the things that I found rather encouraging for me uh, initially, and the, especially the first year of doing my business on my own, because I'll tell you, there there were a lot of nights when there was very high anxiety and and darn near panic attacks with you know what have I done? Not have I be, have I made a mistake? But you know how are we going to make it? And and you know and of course I had the true blessing of of also being inspired by Dave Ramsey, my wife and I debt free except for our home. 
and wonderful and stuff like that. It really allowed us to to do some things. We we made a determined effort that we were not going to go take out a business loan. Uh, that literally we spent the we had been at the point where what we earn in December is what we spend in January, and we don't spend anything more than that, what came in. And that's that's how we carried this thing forward from month after month. But there were times when it's like, how are we going to do this? And then I would listen to your podcast, and <laughs> and your podcast. You would you would let us in on a little bit of your story. So I'd like to have you just tell a little bit about it. There were times when you were doing really well, but you had you had said that there was a time when you lost it all. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, growing up as a farm kid, uh, that was given to me as the only option just to continue on my dad's farm. And I decided I had too much time out in the fields, Cliff, riding those tractors all by myself to think and dream and plan. And I was determined there was had to be other options than just slinging hay bales and milking Holstein cows. So I started listening and reading. As a very young kid, we didn't have TV or radio in our house, but I had ex- exposure to libraries and just picked out biographies and the Horatio Alger kind of stories and principles for moving ahead in your life, and started believing those things. Very young, didn't have much of a support system at that point, but for whatever reason, those things just took root in me. So I went on to school as a way to broaden my options and horizons. I got involved in entrepreneurial businesses very young. I never was cut out to be an employee. So I just started putting legs on business ideas, and that came pretty easily for me. And I built things up until the point where I was, about 40 years old, had a couple different businesses going, things were going pretty well. And then we had some banking changes, like we've had here again in the recent last few years. Had some banking changes. The bank that I did business with primarily changed ownership three times in two years. Thus, all my relationships were gone, and the old easy handshake relationships I had went out the window, and the new bank was saying, we don't like these things in our books. You need to clean this up. And make a long story short, I was not able to do that in a timely fashion and ended up selling one of my primary businesses at public auction and left me deeply in debt. So I knew at that point I had some options. And at that point I was about 42 years old. And I knew I had a couple options. Now, I was very employable. I could have gotten a job. I had been doing some adjunct teaching at one of the universities and had my uh, master's did my doctoral work in psychology, so I could have gone and gotten a job. But doing the math, I could have gotten a really nice job as a college professor, and I would have never seen the light of day financially. Again, just I couldn't live long enough for us to eat out a living and for me to repay the debts that I had as a result of that business crash. So I knew the only option for me was to do, again, what I was most comfortable doing and most interested and passionate about doing, get into, involved in a business again. So I did that very quickly. And initially, right then, just while the IRS was knocking at our doors and things were deteriorating, I got a job in commission sales. Not my own structure, not my own company, but no, no base, no guarantee of any kind, no benefits, just raw commission, and I just hit the street selling. To keep food on the table, I figured out what I was going to do next and how I was going to do it. So it's kind of at that point that I saw some ways to conduct business in new ways. I always thought that if you were going to be in business, you had to keep getting bigger buildings and more employees. And all of a sudden, I started seeing you could have a business where you had no building and no employees. What a novel idea. That appealed to me a lot. I started structuring things around intellectual content rather than just products and services in a traditional way. That opened the door for the writing that I do. And the writing kind of appeared almost on its own. And an example of just simply doing something that you're passionate about and the opportunities show up again around that. But I was teaching a Sunday school class on helping people through these devastating career transitions. And people started asking for material. Boy, I've got a son-in-law who needs to hear what you just talked to us about this morning. Or I have a cousin who just lost his job. What can I give him? And I didn't have anything, and it was out of just the explosion of requests to have materials that I put together the initial materials that now form 
48 days to the work you up. But initially, that was just a three-ring binder with a couple CDs in the inside. I never looked for a publishing deal, never went to a bookstore to see if they'd sell it. We just simply made it available on the Internet, and I sold a couple million dollars worth of that little amateurishly done product. Well, then publishers do show up. It's kind of a reverse process for what most people want, but that's the way it happened for me. Publishers did come knocking on my door. And that opened the door to some pretty nice publishing deals that I've been able to enjoy now in the last few years. But even with those, I still spawn off product just at the drop of a hat. We create a lot of product. I just closed the door to my office because we have trucks going in and out of here right now that are loading up orders that are coming in right here at the end of the year for 48 Days Products because we have a lot of products available and People respond to those in mass. It's Christmas time, plus it's an economic downturn, and there are a whole lot of people saying, what am I going to do next? So things have gone well in that regard. But what I am experiencing now has only developed in the last seven or eight years. Some people think, well, gee, I you know, grew up doing this. Not at all. I mean, my business has changed dramatically over time. But I keep seeing how trends are changing. I don't try to keep things the same. I embrace change and look for new ways to have a lot of fun and continue making money. The one thing that I, I noticed that you have done, you used to do radio. I believe you used to do a Sunday evening call-in show. But you're, now you're doing a podcasting. Can you tell me how you were introduced to podcasting and why is it that you're enjoying the format of podcasting so much more than when you were on the radio? Yeah, that's easy to address. I started, as a result of that Sunday school class, we realized we were having people come from other churches just for the, my Sunday school class, and then they would rush back to their church for the sermon. And I thought, well, that's nuts. Why don't we make it easy? So I moved it from Sunday to Monday night to make it more of a community event, and did that really for eight years, where on Monday nights we'd have 60 to 80 people show up so nice crowd. People would rotate through, tell their friends they'd come. There were eight modules in there. We encouraged people to go through all eight. They could enter or leave at any given time, but we encouraged them to at least experience all eight. So 60 to 80 people in there. Then I had an opportunity, and again, I was asked. This came to me. I was asked if I would be interested in having a radio show. And this is on WTN. It's a 100,000-watt talk station here out of Nashville. Here, It's, it's the home station for Dave Ramsey. You mentioned your, your wife are familiar with Dave, and so it's, it's the home station for Dave here. So I got on there on a Sunday night and uh, had, had a show there actually over a period of six years on Sunday nights, very much by choosing Sunday night. Sunday night is the highest rate of male suicide because it's guys anticipating going to jobs that they despise on Monday morning. So it was a great fit, did really well. Radio stations track their listeners in 15-minute increments. That's how we get the Arbitron ratings. They told me that being the highest-rated weekend show that they had, um, I mean, our listeners even outranked like Kim Commando and some really big shows like that. But we would have, at any given time, between six and 800 listeners in a 15-minute period. Now, I don't know if that sounds high or low for radio, but you see the multiple of 10 times what I was reaching in a live physical class. Doing the radio, then we started taking segments of the radio and putting it on iTunes. And I was approached by a young guy who said, hey, let me do this. You're going to really like what this does for building an audience. I didn't know much about it at the time, and I said, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. Well, we did that, and when we started watching the numbers there, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And here's what appealed to me about the whole process podcast, here's what I found out. I was having housewives, friends of my wife, who were saying, oh, last week I heard, jo- I heard Dan talk about blah, 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 and Joanne's like, you listen to his radio show on Sunday night? Oh, no. I listen to the podcast Tuesday morning when I'm doing the laundry, mm-hmm. or Wednesday afternoon when I'm out taking a walk. And I thought, you know, people aren't confining themselves to when I want to be on the radio, they're doing it on their terms. Guess what? I can do the same thing. I don't have to be tied down to the radio station, have to be here every weekend and in the studio 
at a particular time, which I hated. So I decided, I'll just do a podcast. Now, there was some risk with that, because it was a really highly rated radio show. I had advertisers on there, and everything was working well. And I thought, am I going to sabotage where I'm going with this by pulling the plug on the radio station? And the radio station thought I was absolutely nuts. They said, you've got to be kidding me. Anybody would give their right arm to have your slot and to have your ratings. And I said, well, to me, it looks like we're moving in another direction. Adios. And I did. We put it on iTunes, and my podcast guy, now we track, track the downloads, I'm sure you do, you know, tells me that we have between seventy and 80,000 unique downloads every month of my podcast. So again, the multiple on listeners and the reach is exponential. We hear from people in Nigeria, New Zealand, Brazil, and every place on the planet that you can imagine. And my audience has grown exponentially as a result of doing that. Now, if you tell me there's technology that allows me to get another 10 or 100 times multiple of my audience in doing it, I'm gone. But right now, I don't see anything as powerful as podcasting. I'll tell you what, I, I know exactly where I'm going to use that sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> that, All right. That, I'll tell you what, that, that's music to my ears. And, and, and I know it to be true. Uh, you know, how on, how on earth do you take uh, a, an insurance agent who has some passion for a TV show like Lost and some technology and, and no history in broadcasting or anything like that, but just likes to talk a lot? And uh, here we, I am, you know, four years later with an audience of 50,000 subscribers. I mean, with no radio. I, I didn't even start it out. So it absolutely is possible. And the, the next thing that you did, and, and this is something I think that's interesting, you know, in, in, in building this brand that you have. And, and I think it's very interesting for me because this is the first time I've heard that really a lot of your successes as that I'm aware of. I mean, obviously, you probably had other successes, but a lot of it of what I'm aware of today as being what I consider your success uh, is as early as seven years in the past. And so that's still growing. You're still in, in this earlier stage than what I had even anticipated or thought of myself previously. But one of the things that I see that you're always doing is you're always looking at those next steps. And, and I know that some people, you've, you've developed a community around what you do, people who love what you do and are willing to offer advice, tips, tricks, all this other stuff. And so uh, you, you created, you allowed somebody to create for you this community uh, called 48days.net. It was, it's a Ning community. And uh, do you want to just tell folks, you know, how that came about and, and what has that done that maybe when it was first introduced to you, the idea that you didn't expect would happen? Sure. I've always been blessed with having people come around me who are smarter than I. And I give those people a lot of leeway. Now, I think this is why that happens. Sometimes I scratch my head wondering if I'm just lucky, and I don't think it's that. And I think that we've got some things going in the Miller family that kind of replicate this. Saturday night, my son, who has been living in Kigali, Rwanda, for four years, did a fashion show here in Nashville. Now, this is a real high-class, you know, full runway models, movies, videographers, news reporters from Fox News and all kinds of things were there. This is a real event. The reason he's able to pull that off on essentially a zero budget is because he is so passionate about what he does that it just attracts other people who are saying, I want to be involved. I want something that I care about as much as you care about that. And it just draws talent to the forefront that he's able to engage in the work that he's doing. Now, I think I get the benefit of that same kind of phenomenon. So I keep having people come around saying, Dan, you ought to do this. And I typically say... Go ahead and try that. If it's something that has value, you know, I'll include you in what we're doing, and we'll have a lot of fun doing it. So somebody approached me about the Ning platform when that was pretty fresh. And what we have there, as you know, the functionality in a site like that two years ago would have cost us $20,000 or so to build. Today, it's absolutely free and cost me $32 a month to host it, you know, with the full membership that we have at this point. Right. But I had somebody who said, let's just do this, and you're going to love what it does. 
guy's name is John Dale. And I said, go ahead, John. You know, if it turns into something, fine. If not, we'll just unplug it. We just used a domain I already had in place, 48days.net, that being a sister domain, obviously, to 48days.com, our primary site. Well, we built it, and all of a sudden, I see that this is a lot of fun. This is a way for me to just provide a format for a lot of people to share their ideas, to learn from each other. I don't have to be the guru with all the answers. I don't have to do much at all. I just give people who are really excited about doing creative, innovative things a place to communicate together, and that's essentially what it is. Now, along with that, then, because it was successful, I engaged John Dale, the young guy who offered to do that for nothing for me. I engaged him for six months as a social media consultant, and I jumped in with both feet. So we're looking at how do you tie all these things together, all these tools that we have available, how do you tie them together and make them work effectively to push your brand, push your marketing exposure and opportunities even further. But there's been a lot of things in my business that have been like that. And again, a lot of the things that we're doing now, I didn't even understand were possible two or three years ago. But I keep looking, even though I'm, I'm an old guy, Cliff, I keep looking for ways to keep the business fresh and to keep taking advantage of changes that are out here rather than feeling victimized by them. Absolutely. Now, I just want to mention one thing real quickly about the Ning site is is that what's amazing is that you allow all these people who have all these various different passions, but all of us who are extremely passionate about doing what we love for a living, or at least people who, and, and, and not to mention the people who are, who are desperately seeking to have that be a part of their life as well. So, so it's a community of people who all have similar passions as far as end goals and results, but then you, you have this place where we all have our own gifts and talents. And uh, the, one of the, my favorite things about the Ning group that you have is that you allow us to come in and create a group. We can create a group about just about anything. Well, obviously, you know, I saw this opportunity to open up a group where I could share my passion, my heart for podcasting and new media. So I created that. As a result of that, I go in. I've got it set up to where if somebody posts a message, I'm immediately notified. And and you know, it goes back to that whole thing. You know, do something you love so much that you'd be willing to do it for free. Well, there's a you know, I get paid a lot of money today by the hour to to train people to do things but there are still multiple opportunities for me to give advice freely give advice freely and that i've heard you say that multiple times when people say how do i market this product how do i sell my poem and and stuff Mm -hmm. give things freely well as a result of going in there and and you know somebody posts a question about podcasting and and i go in and and i don't just answer it with like here's a link to an answer but i go into full detail way beyond what they could have ever hoped dreamed or imagined would happen and I go in and I just pour in four years of experience and just just nail it out, almost writing a short ebook for them. And what happens is people are like, wow, this is amazing. And it grows. And as a result of being in your 48 days group, I will just tell you, um, let's just say that within the last three months, it's meant more than $10,000 to me. Uh, you know, and I absolutely am thrilled when I hear that. You know, my response isn't, Gee, you owe me because that's my group. Not at all. I'm, I hope it makes you $10,000 a month in the first quarter of next year. I mean, I love hearing those kind of stories. You know, the, when I was on the radio, I used to have other career coaches criticize me. They say, golly, Dan, somebody calls you up. You tell them everything they need to know. Why would somebody like that need any of us? And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Hmm. That is a scarcity mentality. Yes. Where we think that, you know, the world offers us a piece of pie, and if we take a piece, then there's less for Cliff or less for somebody else out here. It just doesn't work that way. I have found that I cannot give fast enough uh, to keep up with what comes in the back door. I mean, you could go to my site. We have hundreds of articles there, and you know the content that I have, as you do, but the content that I have in podcasts, in archived files. You could research anything you possibly want to know that ever came through my little head in free material that I've got out there. Has that closed the door on sales? Absolutely not. See, it's absolutely the opposite of that. 
people buy anything I write. If I create an audio program, they buy that. You know, if I record something on a live teleseminar, they, rec- they buy that. If I offer personal coaching, I mean, it's sometimes it's embarrassing as a little farm kid when I'm paid for my personal coaching. And I get between 150 and 200 requests every month for my personal coaching. From that, I select three or four people that I think would be kind of fun to work with. The rest I refer to other competent coaches. But there's that kind of a demand, even though it's extremely expensive. But that's just the way it works. When you give something of value, you can give and give and give and not worry about it. And you're right. I hear from so many people. I had a little gal recently, and you'll appreciate this. She had an e-book. Now, this was an e-book, so you know what her production costs were. She wanted me to endorse it. And I said, well, I'd be happy to look at it. I get lots of requests to endorse books and do forwards. I said, I'd be happy to review it, and if it's something that I really feel good about, recommending my people, I'll endorse it. She wouldn't send me a copy. She wanted me to buy a copy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, you don't get it. No. You don't understand business. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I, I got a copy laying here in my desk of Seth Godin's new book. It's just one of the galley copies because it's not out yet. It'll be out in January, but it's called The Lynchpin. But he recently said, you know what, this next time around with my new book, I'm not going to send it to talk show hosts and to public relations experts and all that where they get lost. I'm going to send it to 3,000 people of you who already know me and what I talk about and believe in my message. So I'm going to send it to you free, 3,000 copies. Now, here's the deal. I am going to require that you make at least a $30 donation to the Acumen Fund. It's a nonprofit fund that he's been real involved in. They put wells in Africa and do other kinds of humanitarian work all around. How long do you think it took for him to scrape together 3,000 people did he beg and plot? No, he just said, here's an opportunity. If you want to do this, fine, I'll send you a book. If you don't, fine. Now, the book's not going to cost $30, but in 48 hours, he raised over $100,000 for the Acumen Fund. Not only did 3,000 people raise their hand, but a lot of people gave more than his suggested $30. Now, that's the power of having credibility, knowing that your audience is going to do that. Absolutely. You, you... So it's just a just a brilliant way to, you know, to to give. Now, will he ultimately benefit financially from that? My gosh, 3,000 people with one of his books? I mean, I probably tell 200 people every time he comes out with a new book. And I've been fortunate to be in that same kind of position. I mean, I've got some new books coming out this next year. I'm really excited about that because i got a whole lot of people, other cliffs out there who just shared the story like you did, when something comes out, they're going to say, hey, you ought to get Dan's new book. I know that. I mean, there's, there's momentum that I couldn't stop if I died today. My kids finally understand that. Um, it was kind of interesting when they really realized how that was going to work, that you know they're probably going to benefit from my work a whole lot of years after I'm long gone. But that's the power of just creating a reputation. And you can give and give and give, and you'll, you'll prime the pump for financial rewards that you can't stop. That that is awesome, and and that's exactly it. I mean, the the fact that you have been such a benefit to me just solidifies. Even, even though you know, even without this interview today, the, the relationship between yourself and myself, even though it wasn't direct, uh, was so solidified that you are somebody that I am consistently going to be. Uh, I'm going to be on your word of mouth marketing team for the rest of my life because my life has been impacted. The life of my my wife and our marriage has been impacted. My children's future has been changed as a result of inspiration from from the stuff that you have provided. And so you just can't buy that kind of commitment and loyalty uh, and and certainly, you know, to to just be able to just throw it out there. And and what did it cost you? to allow me to create that group. It didn't really cost you anything. No. Nope. But a a person, again, a beginning musician, is going to say, well, gee, that's my record. If you're going to listen to it more than once, especially, you need to pay me for it. And see what that does. It cuts off the flow. 
goodwill and opportunity. So, yeah, I, I love to figure out ways where I can connect people, where they can both benefit. It doesn't matter if it puts nothing directly into my bank account. But, again, being, you know, I'm, I'm a Bible believer, and the law of the harvest has been played out in my life many, many times, given it's going to return a hundredfold, and, again, often in ways that you don't even expect. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is behind me, I have two dry erase whiteboards. And on them are multiple lists and lists and lists of revenue-generating product ideas. I mean, everywhere I go, it's just all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I got to pull out my phone and email, email myself a note. Here, here's an ebook idea. Here's a webinar topic. Here's a, here's a this. Here's a that. And and I will t- I just want to share with you that there are often times that I get so full of all these ideas of things that will be uh, residual income that you know you you put all the work all the effort and all the energy into putting it out once and then it just generates income and there are times where I as a business person get so bogged down with the day to day to do list and the task list that I don't set time aside for those. You know, it's just like, man, I, you know, the, our business is still going, is, is going great, but, uh, you know, and, but here's the money that's coming in right now. It's going to pay for the bills next month. You know, how do you, what do you say to somebody who has a ton of ideas, you know, just things that probably would take three or four hours to produce, and then, you know, you already, for myself, and by the way, if you haven't known, this isn't a friend of mine, this is me. The question is, is I have all these product ideas, and I already have an, an I have an audience, and I actually have product ideas that people are begging me to create. What do you say to somebody who says, "Well, you know, I'm so busy with all the consulting requests that demand my direct one-on-one time." What do you say to somebody like that? Well, I say keep the ideas coming. Don't ever stop the flow of ideas. Write everything down. Have an idea bank that you'll never run dry. But I also tell people. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Ideas don't put any money in your bank account. It's the person who creates a plan of action who's going to benefit from that. That's why I tell people to share their ideas readily. Oftentimes encounter somebody at a party or social event or whatever. Dan, I got this great idea. You know, okay, what is it? Well, I, I don't want to tell anybody. You know, I'm afraid somebody's going to steal it. So you know what? You have a lot more to risk in not sharing your idea with the potential that somebody's going to take that idea and do something with it, then you have to gain by telling your idea to everybody and the wealth of information that you'll get from other people helping you refine the idea and make it better. Now, that being said, at some point then, you have to create a timeline. That's why I have 48 days, because I got frustrated with people who were discontented with their lives, their work, whatever. We create a plan for them to be in a new place. They agreed with the plan, and two years later I run into them and they hadn't done anything. I thought, you got to be kidding me. How could we have missed it? Or they agreed they were miserable. But what I discovered is, you know what? Some people just choose to stay where they are. Some people just choose even comfortable misery. That's okay. I'll still be your friend. But I don't want to invest my time and energy if that's your decision on day 49. I think 48 days is enough time to move through those ideas, have 20 of them, then narrow down to the best three or four that really fits you, that energize you, do a little more research, choose the best one, and act. Now, you can have a lot of ideas in motion. You know, guys like you and I are going to have a lot of things in motion at any given time. That's okay. But I also have a lot of timelines. When I am going to have, I've got two manuscripts due in about two weeks from now right now. I've got a lot of work to do in the next two weeks, but I've never missed a deadline, and I'm confident I'm going to hit these. A lot of my deadlines are self-imposed. I don't work for anybody. Nobody's looking over my shoulder, so most of them are are self-imposed. You've got to take action on those ideas to turn them into anything valuable. Just decide when you're going to have something. If If you have three new products and you want to have those ready, create your own timelines exactly. and then start the clock ticking to make it happen. That that is that is wonderful advice and 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 one of the things that I just feel very confident that I need to do is like right now my consulting schedule books up, 
you know, the entire week. I mean, it, it, it just seems like, oh, it looks like next week I'm going to have, I just need to actually book an appointment with myself to, to generate those products. And it's the only way they're ever going to happen, I guess. Well, I mentioned to you a little bit ago that I have between 150 and 200 requests for my personal coaching each month. That is very, very lucrative. But now if you think about that as one part of my business, I'm describing something that creates linear income. I do it once and get paid once. Over the long period of time, that doesn't appeal to me. I want things that do create residual income, like you described. You do it once, you can duplicate it, replicate it in some way, digitally or physical product, and get paid 10,000 times for it. So is it difficult to pull back from what could easily be a very full coaching schedule? Sure. And at one time when I was building my business, I was coaching six days a week because that was the most immediate form of income. But as I figured out different components of my business that would create residual income, I backed off, and at this point, I coach one day a week. Not because the business isn't there, but that means that, you know, even when I schedule somebody, it may be a couple months before we initiate contact because I have decided in advance how I'm going to invest my time. And a lot of my time is invested creating things where the payoff may not come for 18 or 24 months. But when it comes, it starts a flow that will continue for 20 years. Well, Dan, it, it has been a huge blessing to be able to speak with you and, and a huge honor. I, I, I know that uh, you have touched so many people's lives. I'm certain that you hear it a lot. But uh, I just really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart just for doing what you do and, and giving away so much for, uh, for free. It, it, it has radically transformed the way that I, I, I consider work. Um, I, I believe that it is possible to love what you do and to do what you love and to to find your calling. Um, uh, we didn't get into the one thing that I had written down. The only other thing was, you know, the the five key elements to make it on your own, which was passion, talent, determination, self-discipline and faith. Uh, something that I think is a core message of No More Mondays, a book that I'm going to encourage everybody to get. Uh, but one one last thing that I will ask, and, and, and just to get your, your opinion on, is working for yourself, is it for everybody? No, absolutely not. People ask me that a lot, and I'm glad they do, because I'm sure I give the impression that I think being an entrepreneur is the only way to go. I think if you really have the ability and the desire, you're going to regret not doing it. Even, if, even in those people that I see who have tried it, and the success has not been what they wanted, or perhaps they even failed in terms of outside perspective, I find that they have a hard time going back to being a traditional employee. They need to figure it out. Do it again. You don't need to do it right the first time, but figure out how to do it so it works for you and just keep going back. There are people where it makes perfect sense to be an employee, to be part of a team, something somebody else is excited about, and you can add your value as a part of that. Nothing wrong with that at all. That, and there are a lot of people that I work with. That, that's what I recommend. You need to go get a job. We have people who have come into you know, the 48 Days family in some way, and they're all excited about being an entrepreneur. And a year later, they're saying, I, mean, I had a guy just recently. He was an accountant, and he created a business of his own, going to be an entrepreneur. A year later, they had exhausted all of their financial reserves. They were not able to repair the car, go out to eat, go on a vacation, anything. He had one recurring client at $200 a month. One recurring client at $200 a month. He was doing a lot of pro bono work for nonprofit organizations. And I said, you need to stop this today. This is not working. You need to go get a job. It was such a relief to hear that from me. He went out the next day, interviewed, got a position with a great firm. Golly, they're back in a house. They bought a new van. They're planning things this year. Back on track. He needs to be an employee. No, absolutely not. I mean, there are criteria that we look for in, you know, how is this going to work for you? I think right now is a great time to be exploring and launching new ideas. And a lot of people are finding that. A lot of people are what we call accidental entrepreneurs. They would have never been one 
but because they got laid off or fired, they decided, hey, now's as good a time as any to try it. So they're doing it, and they discovered that it really is a better way for them. But again, there are people who just need to recognize, yeah, I need to go get a job. There's always going to be jobs, and if that's the best fit, and that's really what I look for. What is the best fit for how you're wired? What makes you tick? And if that's being an employee, do it. Hold your head high and do it with excellence. Well, Dan, thank you again. It, it, it has been a blessing, and I know that you are going to go and record your own show here after we're done. And uh, I just want to, again, say thank you, and uh, thank you on behalf of all the other people in our community who you've also impacted. Well, thanks, Cliff. As you know, I truly am delighted about the success you're experiencing. I hear the people who are big fans of yours, and, and I'm thrilled to just be a, a part of your circle. Great. Thanks for having me as a guest. All right. Thank you. Well, there you go, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Podcast Answer Man. Thank you, Dan Miller, for giving me the best way to celebrate four years in podcasting. For those of you who are tuned in and have been around for four years, thank you. For those of you who are brand new, stay tuned. More questions and answers will be coming next week to answer the technical details of podcasting. And uh, by the way, if you guys aren't already, head over to podcastanswerman.com forward slash mailing list. Got a bunch of products and webinars being announced here very soon. Podcastanswerman.com forward slash mailing list. God bless y'all.